This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, my little snowflakes. Have we recovered from from the party? From the party and the march, yeah. And the march, big weekend. Big weekend, had a big week on uh, a bit of, well, had a big week. Did you? <laughs> Just went for it, did you? The sun's out, get on the beer. Uh, I, uh, yeah, after the march I had a, uh, a lot of Football and drinking, followed by my, my bloody Valentine and more drinking. Oh, goodness me. So it's, it's a busy time of the year, isn't it? Football on, people marching. Very much so. Yeah. Very th- it makes you thirsty, doesn't it? It does. I mean, you don't have to drink lager or ale or whatever it is. You can have a glass of water. What? Yeah. Really? They'll serve you that in the pub. And it's free. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, I've never tried it myself. This is beyond but, um, all told, human knowledge. Um, uh, so we're going to do the news. There's no Jerry this week; she's having a little break. But we will do a Brexit of the week as well at yes, the end. We will. Firstly, let's jump into that news. Well, we're making the news, yeah. aren't we? Well, because well, you, prob- you might have seen this if you've already bought the, the New European, or if you've been looking at social media. On page four of the New European, what have we got? Well, it's an extraordinary picture. It is of Nigel Farage um, at some point in the middle of the night on June. 24th, 2016. Yeah. And he is pointing with the... I mean, he's the happiest look on his face. Yeah. He is so, so happy. He actually looks even more like Freddo, the chocolate frog bar. He really does. He really does. But that's not why it's an extraordinary picture. No. He's pointing at a TV report um, of the pound crashing... In collapse, yes. In freefall. There's a jagged line which is going down, and he's pointing at it and grinning his little 
nicotine stained man frog head off. Yes, and uh, well, we it's a it's an exclusive picture. Um, no one's printed it before, <clears throat> and I, I think it tells a very well. It's strange, isn't it, for a patriot? Yeah, what exactly. Thing for him to be doing. Well, Why would he be yeah. doing that? Uh, well. We've published it because this is the week that uh, a big article on Bloomberg, which is a sort of financial-led website, yeah. isn't it? If you're not familiar with Bloomberg, Financial <laughs> News, and it has uh, their, their story basically um, reiterates the fact that on the night of the referendum, Nigel Farage twice declared that Remain were going to win. He virtually conceded, yeah, and he did that while he was in possession of the knowledge of a poll by Servation, which is a leading polling company. It's run by somebody that Nigel Farage knows. It's Nigel Farage's personal uh, poll, polling company, isn't it? Um, Who's your personal polling company? Oh, I'm, I go Mori all the time. Mori. Yeah, not not Mori, just my friend Mori. Oh, Mori. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mori. Nice, Mori's nice, good. isn't it's, he? Well, he did a poll for me, but I, I saw him conducting it, and it literally was the barman, the barmaid, and the Dalek. Right. Okay. So maybe think again there. Anyway, what did this do? So he, he he so he'd been told that Leave was going to win. He twice said that he thought Remain was going to win. This caused the pound to rise temporarily, and some investors were gambling that it was going to go even higher. Remain yeah. have won. Yeah. You know, there's no threat to to business. But some other investors then piled in on shorting the pound, betting that the pound would yeah. crash in yeah. the knowledge that some polls were saying, like the Salvation poll, were saying that um, that Leave was going to win. And when Leave did win, the pound did fall and they made fortunes out of this. One of them was um, Crispin Odie, wasn't it, who, who is a, yeah. a friend of Jacob Rees-Mogg and yeah. helps Jacob Rees-Mogg set up his uh, investment company. Now, Nigel Farage says that this was completely inadvertent, doesn't it? It was accidental. Well, I'll read out what he, I think. But, you know, we, we need to take him at his word, <clears throat> don't absolutely. we? Absolutely. You know, this picture isn't suggesting, and we're not suggesting that Nigel has done anything wrong. We're simply putting it out there. Yeah. Um, so, in uh, it's speaking to myself on text message, in fact, on uh, one night before I went to print. Do you get a lot of late night texts from Nigel Farage? That's been known. Yeah. Um, just mainly going, <laughs> I would imagine. He just tells, you know, get over it. Get over <laughs> it, you Ramona. You lost. Um, he calls it conspiratorial nonsense, wholly untrue, unfair and frankly libelous. Now, that's the Bloomberg yeah. story. He wasn't talking Not about our story. Yeah. I then asked him about the picture um, and he said he's looking at the hysteria of the short-term market. Yes. Um, well, yes, that is perhaps true, and also pointing and laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. So, whether it, so accidental, if we take Nigel Farage at his word, yes, and we should, and we should, but it did create a window of opportunity to bet against the value of sterling and make huge gains. Yeah, inadvertently. Who ac- else did that once and made billions and billions of pounds? Well, our mate, wasn't it, George Soros? Yeah. I mean, he, that's pay, how... he paid for this chair, according to <laughs> yeah, Aaron God, Banks right, yeah. and whoever else it was. He's never given us any money, <laughs> no, George he, Soros. Well, he's more than welcome to, but he yeah, certainly yeah. hasn't. I mean, if he does, I'm sure we'll say, thanks, George. Well, George, would... well, we'll tell you what you should do. 
he should he should uh, go to our funding help should, our and, yeah. and, and fund us that way. That'd be best. Nice to it? be asked, wouldn't it? Anyway, um, yeah, we he, he did that with the um, on Black Wednesday. I think it was. Yes, he did. Maybe. Yeah, but that's what hedge funds do, isn't mm. it? So it is. Yeah, that's how it works. It is kind of how it works. I mean, we, I don't. You know, we're never going to know exactly what happened, are we? No. And you know, who saw what at what time? Um. There are three things that we do know, though, aren't there? You know, you've already said this. If we take him at his word, which we should, and Nigel Farage was just laughing at the hysteria of the market, and or, or as Aaron Banks said, I think, he was grinning because the pound was falling and that meant he knew that he was going to win, that Leave was, was going to win. Yeah. Um, it's not very patriotic, is it, to be it's seen beaming, beaming away and laughing and pointing? Let's put it this way. It, it's, this picture would have never have been put out publicly by Nigel himself. No, it wouldn't have been. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a good look, is it, to be grinning and laughing away when your nation's currency is hitting the floor? Definitely not. The second thing is that, you know, you, me and Morrie could do this, couldn't we? Or, but we should probably get somebody better than old Morrie. But if at the next election, or even at the People's Vote referendum, say, yeah. you and I could go in together, we could commission a really detailed private poll for just you and me. We could get somebody to talk to a 100,000 people, yeah. say, yeah. and then we could keep it to ourselves completely, and then you and I could bet on the market as to the result, couldn't we? And yeah. we could make a sizable amount of money, especially yeah. if another poll came out uh, saying, the saying the opposite. Yeah. So yeah. we could make quite a lot, and that would be, ostensibly, that would be completely legal. And the third thing is that, you know, it's, it is completely plausible that Nigel Farage, who in the past has been quite gloomy about election results, um, with good reason with some of his, by, <laughs> some yeah. of his attempts to, to, to get into Parliament, but it's entirely plausible that Nigel Farage's mate from Servation phoned him up and or talked to him or emailed him and said this is the result of our poll and he went well I actually don't believe it because there are other polls around saying yeah. something different and um, but he has changed his story about this is detailed in the Bloomberg piece he's changed his story about who he heard this from and when he heard it uh, two or three times and I think that it should be somebody other than you by text or a journalist from Bloomberg or Carol Cadwallader trying to phone him on his LBC show. Yeah. Somebody else should ask him about this in a more formal setting. And yeah. I keep saying this on this podcast, and I apologise for boring people, but there needs to be a full public inquiry about this with questioning under oath and the power to examine your phone records and your bank accounts yeah, and, and your uh, emails. And, and Nigel surely has got nothing to worry about, and so it he'd should, be open and welcome. And it to should it. cover Farage and Wigmore and yeah. Aaron Banks and Cambridge Analytica, and, but it should also cover any potential wrongdoing on the Absolutely. Remain side. Yeah, and yeah, it should yeah, also yeah, yeah. look at the the, the the lies of the Leave campaign, the, the Red Bus, and when well, why, did, why, why were people allowed to get away with that? And do yeah. there need to be changes to how we conduct elections? And then, you know... If that inquiry finds that there should be police action, then there should be police action against anybody from any side. And if the, but at the if, very least, yeah, we could learn how to do at least referenda, yeah. better or elections better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. If the uh, public inquiry ended up saying the referendum stinks so much that there should be a, a, a rerun, then so there, there could be a rerun. Now, I think that 
saying this, there should be a public inquiry, let's just put all this behind us, and put it to a public judicial inquiry, is a bone that Jeremy Corbyn should throw to the likes of me and you. It doesn't mean he's anti-Brexit, it doesn't mean that he's, you know, seeking to rerun the result or whatever. It doesn't even mean, it's not even going as far as saying, let's have a a people's vote. but um, but I think that a public inquiry is something that we should all be enough, demanding. There is enough suggestion that there was multiple issues on this. I mean, I'm not necessarily talking about this, the picture or or whatever, but spending and things. There is enough of an issue here for us to to say, whoa, we need to look into this and yeah, do it properly. Yeah, yeah. You know, Pretty Patel. I heard her the other day again banging on about stuff that the Remain camp had done. Yeah, so yeah. let's just get it all out there. Yeah, absolutely. What's to lose? I, I have uh, I've no doubt that there are... Well, there have already been questions raised about the Remain uh, campaign, and quite rightly so, you know. Yeah. With, um, but how likely is that to happen? Well, I, I don't know. I think it's... And we can talk about this in a minute, can't we, as we look at the march and the mm. reaction to Jeremy Corbyn on that march yeah. uh, and what's going to happen next... Um, I think that that is an easy way to park some of this issue for Keir Starmer, for Jeremy Corbyn, for everybody else. Yeah. So okay. So let. I, I, I mean, I completely agree with you there. I'm. I'm I think it, I think it's unlikely, sadly, but it would certainly be a, a good move. Um, yeah. And I think those hundreds of thousands of people who turned up um, in London would agree with us. Yes. What a good day it was! It was great, yeah. It was really good. I mean, there was, it was the big, the biggest march yeah, of the three without, that I've been yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, without a shadow. It of was that. really well organised. I gotta say, there was a bit of strange policing because there was a tiny, you know, in the hundreds pro Brexit march, yeah, which was allowed to, you know, take place very, very close to right. where we were marching. So, where about you know, was we, that then? It was, um, it was, well, they, they ended up in Millbank, which is about a 10 minute walk yeah. from Parliament Square, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was sort that of. It could have been nasty, couldn't it? It could have been, yeah. I mean, thankfully not. And, uh, you know, from what I didn't attend, but from what I've seen, um, it was a really quite a humorous and well natured yeah. and uh, as marches should be conducted. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the. the, the the, the pro-Brexit march sadly meant that at the start of the march there was an awful lot of stop-start and we were held in um, in um, Trafalgar Square, at the yeah. bottom of Trafalgar Square, before yeah. you, you sort of go on to um, uh, onto Whitehall. We yeah. were held there for what seemed like 30 or 40 minutes, right. you know. Um, but it, it was great. It felt like a real turning point. Yeah, it, it did. Was, it, was a, it was great. I went into Parliament Square. I was quite near the front of the march and... Obviously, you see the statue of Churchill, uh-huh. and a guy had a sort of sign with a speech bubble yes, on it. Yes, we've got pictures of which it. Which said, paper, yeah. Yes, there are yeah. pictures of it, and it said something like, You know, I fought for Europe, or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. We fought for Europe. There's lots of clever placards. And it was, it was great, but you did think, You know, maybe this is the, you know, if it's not the beginning of the end of Brexit, it is the end of the beginning of the fight against. Brexit. It felt to me like the first time, and I've been critical of, um, I have been critical in the past of Remainers because we've never really had, there's been so many different campaign groups and different, I think the only place it's really come together or came together from the start was our newspaper. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, because because we gave a voice to all those different groups, but they never, it need, they needed all to come together at once. And I think now with the with the people's 
vote, yes. they can sort of rally behind that, all of them. That's right, you know, and the heartening thing is that the petition, uh, which is on the People's Vote website, which you should sign if you've not signed it already, is now on, uh, well, I was just looking at it just now, it's on about 160,000 signatures, and you would expect it to get, it's going up about 10,000 a day now, so you would expect it by this time next week, end of next week, to be somewhere around the 250,000 mark, and once it's got 250,000, you know, the momentum, these things sort of, form like a snowball don't they there's like a snowball rolling down a hill just picking up more and more and more and with that momentum who knows a lot of people and Jacob Rees-Mogg is one of them and there were people from the Jeremy Corbyn camp as well were saying well 100,000 is a tiny fraction of 17.4 million isn't it and oh and also it's um it's a you know it's a tiny fraction of the number of people the what was it, 1.7 million they, they thought were on the anti-Iraq march? I think between 1 and 2 million, um, uh, various people say. But 100,000 is a really big number. Well, million, I think the know. police were saying it might have even been larger than that. Yeah, but, right. I, I mean, it was it, it, it was just, it seemed good-natured. It seemed, it, the pictures were great. Yeah. And um, and they, people seemed to be coming together with, with one voice. That voice was united in, in having a go at someone who maybe should have been there, weren't they? Should we have a little listen to this? I mean, <laughs> where was he? Well, he was in a refugee camp, as, uh, as, as people were quick to point out. But was there that feeling... Because I think this is this might even be a bigger turning point than the turning point you mentioned on Brexit yeah. for the for the for the fight against Brexit. Are people cottoning on now? Because we've been saying, please, 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 understand that Jeremy Corbyn is at heart probably a Brexiteer. Yes, and uh, and he's not held he those. He, yeah, and he's not held. He's not been shy about that in the past. He's now a bit wary about it because he knows that the majority of his members don't want to leave the EU, and the youth vote, which did him so well in the general election, certainly don't. Yeah, have people finally cottoned on? Well, I was going to say a worrying thing, and I think that the Jeremy Corbyn camp is quite worried about this, and I think you could you could see that by the number of you know the Corbyn cheerleaders yeah. on social media yeah. coming out to rubbish the march on Saturday night and, and Sunday morning, and yeah. saying that it was just you know full of people who shop at Waitrose, and it was you know people want a second referendum. It's not a second referendum, is it? It's a completely different question. Um, also, I like Waitrose. Me too, yeah. yeah. Okay. Me too. Good. Uh, and we're disappointed by um, by their recent results. But anyway, um, I think that they should be worried, and they are worried, because that march was full of young people, yeah. you know? There yeah. were a lot more young people there than on the previous marches. You can see that on the, on the placards as well. Yeah. There were lots of placards saying, I'm 16, yeah, you know, yeah, Brexit's yeah, yeah. ruining my future, loads and loads. Um, and you know, I can't speak for for Owen Jones, but I do think that you know, in the uh, I disagree with Owen Jones on a lot of things, but I do enjoy his work, and I do think that somewhere in the back of Owen Jones's mind, there is going to the, the thought that in twenty years' time, the video of him and Campbell, uh, the bagpipe playing editor at large of the New European, is yeah. going to be reversed, and he's going to be upbraiding some young kid and saying, "You listen, you've got to have a plan," and the young kid is going, "What? Like a plan like you had." Uh, about Brexit. Yeah, you know? yes. <laughs> um, oh, that'd be a glorious day. I think. I hope I live to see I that. Think, I think that is. I think that's got to be 
in the back of his mind as he says, you know, this shouldn't change anything. Anyway, never mind Owen Jones. I was I heard I was near the front of the match. I said uh, I heard I did hear the chance of where's Jeremy Corbyn the, the sort of first chance of that. I didn't hear um, I didn't hear the, the guy wrote into the New European this week and said that the crowd were also chanting. Uh, it's time, Jeremy Corbyn, change your mind, or yeah. it's time to change your mind, Jeremy, or whatever, yeah, yeah. It, whatever it was. Anyway, I didn't hear that. I did see a, a great sign that said Jeremy WTF. Yeah. And, yeah. And, I, and, and that I, is per- that's perfect. That sums it up perfectly, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And I still think that people are desperate for Jeremy Corbyn to change his mind. But he's not, he, he's not going to. No, um, and the way out can... for him would have been, in my opinion, for about twelve months ago, to start spending a lot of time in those Labour Leave areas, yes, and start to explain, yeah, what you know, to, to, what why it's a bad idea, and to gently nudge that group of Labour Leavers, yeah, 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 back to you know back towards um, a bit you know more sensible stance when it comes to leaving the EU because if he can win them over mm. he's got the rest of us yeah exactly and yeah. labor will win a landslide yes i thought well I, I couldn't agree more i think you know 100 and, okay look it's not as big as the iraq march it's not as big as 17 million it is 100,000 people or 160,000 who've signed the petition so far it's a sizable chunk of people when you think that the DUP only 292,000 people voted for the DUP, and they're holding the balance yeah, of power in, in Parliament. And 160,000 people, no matter where they are in the country, even if they're in the... You know, let's imagine that they are. All, we are. All those people are from the metropolitan elite. Those are, there, there are key seats in metropolitan cities that Labour are going to need to win and, and um, you know, or, or, or win back or, or you know, or, or keep... Um, and that is too many people for me to, to, to turn down. Well, I'm really heartened by this, this sort of grassroots Labour for a People's Vote group as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, and this is a lot of ex momentum people are in it, aren't they? It's, I think it was originally sort of portrayed as a momentum spin off, and there's right. some trade union people yeah. in it. And 62 CLPs. I also think that there's, going n- to there's nothing. Put a motion, yeah, you know, it's great. It just feel like a shift for Labour, and I, I, I can't see why um, he would be against a people's vote, even if he's Brexity. Yeah, because he loves that giving handing power back to the people. That's what he's all about, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm not sure, but that's what he certainly portrays. That's what he certainly wants us to think. So the next big interesting thing is going to be the Labour Party conference, isn't it? Yeah, which is in October. Oh, I've just started doing my passes for. I think it's no, it'll be end of September. End of September. Yeah. Okay. And you know, so by then, you know, by the time we go, we get to November, and the old the grand reveal or the pre-reveal is done by Theresa May. Yeah. We, you know, we could conceivably have an opposition which is we could. Um, which is behind the move for a people's vote. It's looking more and more likely that we are going to get the chance at the party conference to debate Brexit on the floor this year, of course, which, twelve months late. Yeah. Um, but we obviously back that campaign as well. That would be uh, that would be really interesting. Would I think. be huge, and the reason being, of course, I'm sure you all know this already. But the reason is that Labour policy is made there on the conference floor. Yes. Um, so, I mean, the other thing is that delegates, I think, would vote in favour of a people's vote. Yeah. So Jeremy either gets behind it or does everything he can to keep it off the conference floor again. Again. 
um, which really would be the end for me. Yeah, it would be very difficult to uh, to manage that. I was also going to say 160,000 people signed that petition. I think that's more yeah. than the membership of the Lib Dems, isn't it? It's more than the membership of the Conservative Party. And It's almost you know, as many people who listen to this podcast. It is, yeah. That's um, impressive. Very impressive. So, I think we are, you know... So sign the petition. Sign the petition. Don't put your placards away yet. No. Because there may be other occasions when we need to march. Yeah, I think we'll be marching again quite soon. What were the speeches like? Uh, really good. Yeah? Yeah, they were excellent. Really good. I read them, but they were delivered well. Really, yeah, delivered well. And favourite um, speaker? Uh, I didn't. I didn't hear Gina Miller, but I believe Gina Miller was really good. Yeah, she's written a really nice piece. We should say we've got a sixteen-page pullout in the paper this week. So if you're on the march, grab hold of a copy yeah, because gonna, there's every likelihood your face is. You're in likely it. to see yourself. Yeah. And uh, and Gina also has written a really good piece, uh, which is in that in that pullout. Um, so get a hold of that. Some great pictures. If for nothing else, it's a great little souvenir of a, of a day when maybe Brexit turned. Yeah, back in our back in our direction. I think so. It's been a good week. It's been a good week for us. Clearly, it's not been a good week for <laughs> for, for the the people who are actually running the country. Though, no. well, it never is, is it? Not really. No. So, let's it's get great, it's great being Theresa May, isn't it? Well, I, you get laughed at in the House of Commons. Yeah, and then your pals laugh at you as well. Your pals laugh at you. You've got a Foreign Secretary. She was garbage on PMQs this week. Yeah, awful. I mean, I don't think Corbyn was up to much, but he still won just by means of her being so rubbish. And then you have to fly off to Brussels <laughs> and get bollocked by all them. Oh, it's Teresa. Not, it isn't good, is it? Poor Teresa. And you, you, you know, and then you have to again sit in, sit at PMQs and defend a fat clown who's told business to. <laughs> it's just, it is just remarkable. Well, let's start it? with Boris if we're going to talk about the cabinet because there's a really good piece by um, Andrew Adonis in yes. on page two of this. Very powerful. Week. Really, really good stuff. I think it's his best work so far for us. It's all good, by the way. Lord Adonis, if you're listening. It he was on the pod last week, wasn't he? Yeah, he was great. Um, Talking about Roy Jenkins. Yeah, and uh, he quotes... So, uh, Lord Adonis has got a book out. I think he's always got a book out. It, half in, half out, Prime Ministers on Prime Ministers on Europe since Churchill. Yes. And uh, one chapter in that book is written by Charles Powell, who was Thatcher's foreign affairs bod. Yes. And he said, he asked uh, Charles what Margaret Thatcher would have done... Did I say Theresa Mays? I think I did. I'm going to start this again. So, Lord Donis has got a book out, which is called Half In, Half Out, Prime Ministers on Europe Since Churchill. And uh, one of the chapters in that is written by Charles Powell, who's Margaret Thatcher's foreign affairs chief. Um, And at the book launch, uh, he was asked what would Mrs T have done about Boris. And without hesitation, he said she would have sacked Boris immediately for gross disloyalty and incompetence. Do you know what? I absolutely think that's true. Yeah. To, even without a majority, she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have, put, up. She wouldn't have yeah. put up with this nonsense. Exactly. So, I mean, and it, it's repeats week after week after week with Boris, but we've got other, other people as well this week. I know. What about Gavin Williamson? We love Gavin Williamson. Gavin Williamson, yeah. He's brilliant, and there's a brilliant cartoon in the paper this week. I Just Williamson. You. Just <laughs> Williamson is hilarious very funny. By Tim Bradford. They're going to Checkers next week, aren't they? Yeah. Which is no, 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 it's no longer a pajama party, a pajama sadly, party is sadly. it? But I think, and I've said this before... I bet Williamson is, is a pajama wearer, though. I think he is. He I looks imagine like him a... standing by the fireplace, fireplace. in his pajamas. <laughs> it is the ideal opportunity for for to ten little Indians, the whole lot of them. <laughs> are all, you know... I expect you know why I've gathered you here for dinner. Yeah. The lights go out in the starter. Scream, blood-curdling scream. 
The lights go up. Liam Fox, ornamental leather luggage tag, choked <laughs> to death. The lights go off again. As long as Cronus is all right. They bring out the they bring out the main course, don't they? Chicken lasagna. <laughs> yeah, we have we heard. There's a crikey, oh cripes you! And then Boris Johnson, the old Brexit bog roll, has been wrapped round his neck. He's dead. His big fat tongue lolling out. Oh wow! And then they bring out the dessert. And then what's the dessert? What do they have? Brexit oh, dessert. I think it, what the most jam roly poly. Yeah, jam roly trifle. Poly. Yeah, bread and butter pudding. Something yeah, like something that. like that. Really stodgy. Yeah. And then there's another. The lights go out again. And We're then eating mess, wouldn't it? And then they go, oh, eating mess, that's good, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the lights go out again, another blood-curdling scream, David Davis, dead by his own hand, karate chopped in the <laughs> I'll deal with this. The ultimate resignation for David Davis. And then there's Gavin Williamson, he goes during the petty fours, doesn't he? The lights go off, he's big... Big Theresa May's frozen stick of Brexit fudge jammed through his heart, I've dealt with him. And then obviously she... Sort of leans back, satisfied, doesn't she? Takes the silver dome off her plate. Kronos is there. Yeah. He leaps on her neck. <laughs> Deadly poison. Revenge of Williamson from beyond the grave. So that would leave Kronos as prime minister. It would be. Kron- he would do a the damn sight better would job. Be a spider. Wouldn't yeah, it? A he would do so much for be. PMQs. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Covid would still lose. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what she should do. What a farce! Well, a that, well, we should, you should make that film. I think that would yes. be uh, great. Bit. Um, so Williamson's demanding more money for defence. He is. Yeah. Why? I know just, why. Just because he wants to. No, I, well, there's two reasons. Why? One, you always want more money, don't yes. you? Because it makes your job easier and people like you more. Yes. But two, there's a big load of Tory backbenchers who are really keen. They love defence. They love the army, don't they? And if. Mr. Williamson, we're able to get our boys, our troops, a little bit more money. Mm. Well, maybe they would support him in a future, future leadership yeah. contest. That's it. That's it. I, I think can't that believe is you're the... accusing Gavin Williamson of Machiavellian <laughs> thinking and plotting. I, I think um, it seems incredible. Yeah, who'd have thought it? So I think there's a, that is a big reason why he wants more money. Yeah. But then the, the the most bizarre story of the week, and my actually my favourite story of the week, was the great orator of our time yes. doing a speech at the LSE. Oh yes. So Liz Truss, <laughs> a fan of pork and cheese. Yeah, she loves pork and cheese. I love that. That is my favourite speech of all time. Yeah. I was in I was in the hall. And yeah. They, I mean, it was just an extraordinary moment in time. Well, she's done it again. Let me read out what Liz. Let me read out what Liz said. Yes. Many. She, oh, a bit of context. She she's got to be in her bonnet about about plastic straws yeah. of all things yeah. in this particular extract. The reason that this is an issue is that both the Prime Minister and Michael Gove are quite keen on getting rid of plastic straws, and for good reason, I think. Yeah. Um. So here's what she said. Many of the rules that we have in place are important in guaranteeing public safety, but it's hard to shake the feeling that sometimes they just get in the way of consumers' choices and lifestyles. And government's role should not be to tell us what our taste should be. She did it all right with the cheese and the pork, didn't she? Yeah, she didn't did, it? yeah. Um, too often we're hearing about not drinking too much. She added her own little gag in there where she went, or is that just me? Mm, good one. Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> as it turns out. Eating too many donuts, drinking from disposable cups through plastic straws, or enjoying the warm glow of our wood-burning goves. Oh, 
I mean stoves. Q. Hilarity. <laughs> I can see their point. There's enough hot air and smoke at the environment department already. Good lord. I know. So, I mean, we were all... Is that it? I mean, that's not the whole speech. No. <laughs> she also went on to call I wouldn't Javid. Open, I wouldn't and... open with it, to be fair. I wouldn't <laughs> so, open with the wood-burning goes no. if you were at Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she, I'm here all week. Yeah, exactly. Take my mother-in-law. Um, yeah, it's an extraordinary speech. She went on to criticise Williamson and Sajid Javid for being macho, supposedly, and demanding more money for their departments, and you can't do that. Right. Uh, number 10 must have signed off on this speech, which seems extraordinary. So after we wrote this piece, the special advisor got in touch with a few journalists and said, yes. and said, oh, I know it's not, you know, we put the speech up too early on gov.uk, and um, actually, she never actually said the gov gag. We, te- we took that out. And here's the clip from the BBC of the speech to prove it. So for about 30 seconds, I'm thinking, ah, oh, Jesus, you know, we're going to have to do, not correction, but we're going to have to write round this a little bit and redo the story. We clicked on the link with the video of the speech. There and she there is. she is. Doing the, doing the gov the lame, gag. The lame <laughs> gov, gov gag. So she did do it. Woodburninggov.uk. Is that the, it's an extraordinary the new website? Thing. Extraordinary thing for her to do. Um, yes. And it's it's completely out of blue sky. I mean, it's come from nowhere, that speech. I mean, it's well, obviously the Treasury would have liked it because they're saying, no more money, you're not having any more money. Didn't want to give that money to the NHS. No more money, go home, leave us alone. Um, and she is, of course, the Chief Secretary of the Treasury. Um, but an extraordinary uh, attack uh, delivered in an extraordinary and trust-like. Only trust could deliver it quite like that, and she did. So hats off to her for that. Um, in normal times, she might be punished for that because that's basically... Yeah, saying we don't have collective responsibility and I'm not backing this government policy. But we live in strange times. <laughs> yeah, we live in very strange times where Theresa May can't sack anyone now, as it turns out. No. no. Deary, deary me. Right, well, it's probably time to crown the Brexiteer of the week. We'll do that after this little message. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back, Steve. It's time to crown a Brexiteer of the Week. It is. Is this your favourite time? Yeah, is this your favourite time of the week when we do this? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Get to read out my own words and laugh at my own jokes. Who wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't like that? Anyway, let's start with David Davis. He's got a new nickname, David Davis. Deadly David? It's not Deadly David. Dastardly? Not Dastardly, no. Dumb? No. He's called the (laughs) T-Boy. Oh, yeah. And this is because... (laughs) A senior member of the Irish government has been speaking to Politico. Uh, I don't know who that senior member of the Irish government is. Can't think. I think he's probably quite senior, don't you? Yeah. And he said, he was asked how the negotiations with David Davis about the, the border were going, and he said, uh, we, we deal with uh, Ollie Robbins, who is Theresa May's Brexit advisor. We don't deal with the T-boy. 
and um, it's quite harsh, that, isn't it? It's not quite as harsh as thick as mince, <laughs> which was uh, sort of what something, somebody else said about David Davis. And when he was a whip, David Davis, he was known as DD of the SS, <laughs> which, is a, which is a tremendous nickname. I will also point out that David, he used to be known as Basher, didn't he? Do you know why he's known as Basher? No. He was known, this is, this is quite good, he was, this was his nickname from school, I believe, from, from whatever school he went to, and it was because he found some kids who were beating up a kid who had come out as gay, and he beat the shit out of them. So, while David Davis might be a complete not and a clown, at least he's done one good thing in his life. He's a gay basher basher. He's a gay basher basher. Good for which him. Which is good for him. Woody Johnson... Oh, Woodster. The Woodster. The Wooden Man. Um, he is the Donald Trump's ambassador, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, and he's very excited about the Trumpster coming over, uh, as are we all. Oh, and aren't we just? There's yeah, a great yeah. documentary uh, inside the the, um, the American embassy, and he is on it, uh, talking about Brexit, and he says that we've all got a, defeated, um, a defeatist attitude to Brexit, and that people said, well, all the economists and a lot of British people are worried... Um, about the you know that the economy is going to tank and business is going to be in trouble and he said um, he said well they they're just he said they're from a completely different background to me because I am always focused on winning mm. now I happen <laughs> to be a fan of the New York Jets yeah I know. who are owned by Woody Johnson and he's owned them uh, for eighteen seasons now. The Jets have never gone to a Super Bowl no. in these 18 seasons, no. and only 14 of the 32 teams in the NFL have not been in the Super Bowl in those uh, in those years. Mm. Um, so it's quite an achievement. They've lost 157 games. Wow, that's about I think that's about 15 more games than they've won. It's worth uh, noting that the uh, regular season for an NFL team is only 16 games. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so they've <laughs> lost 157 games. In the last 18 years. In the last 18 years, they've only been in the playoffs six times. Yeah. And they've not been in the playoffs for seven years. Yeah. So maybe thinking about winning, like Woody Johnson does, I am thinking about winning. Maybe thinking about winning isn't quite enough. No, it, it seems so. Although this season's your season, isn't this, it? This could be it, yeah. yeah. Lee Hurst we've mentioned before oh, yeah, on he's... this podcast. He used to be on They Think It's All Over. Now his career is almost all over, <laughs> isn't it? And his politics have gone further to the right. You know, let's imagine a little axis. Politics going over to the old right there. Popularity, his appeal is becoming more selective, isn't it, as they say in Spinal Tap. Very, very, very strange things have happened in the meantime, haven't they, Talia? I don't know where the wheels came off. Anyway, um, he's become obsessed with Carol Cadwallader of late. He's been tweeting about her a lot. If Carol Cadwallader were not a journalist, Aaron Banks would have to report her as a stalker. FFS, which stands for for f***'s sake, uh, it's embarrassing. Why doesn't this woman just... Aaron Banks and get it out of her system she can't stop thinking about him oh it's grim it is really grim isn't it you know it's quite hurtful I just would point out that on Monday night Carol Cadwallader picked up the Orwell Journalism Prize one of the most prestigious prizes in journalism she got that on Monday night and I checked on Monday night and at the same time as she was picking up the most one of the most prestigious awards in British journalism uh, there were still 161 unsold seats left for the first night of Lee Hurst's new tour, which is being held at the prestigious Bracknell South Hill Park Arts Centre. We should go. 312 seats there are. How in much that. are they? 
I don't know. Too expensive, I would imagine. Yeah, probably far too expensive. So 161 unsold seats. Who's bought a ticket to see Lee Hurst? Lee Hurst. Who, yeah. Who's bought that? I have no idea. Uh, it's weirdos. What an, ex- what an extraordinary thing! Oh, Nick Hancock, Doris, come quick. Yeah. Lee Hurst, Lee Hurst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bracknell, should we go? Yeah. yeah. Will he will, get you a know, ticket? Will he touch a blindfold, blindfolded celebrity? <laughs> only if, yes, only if it's him touching it? a blindfolded ex-celebrity. What a weird thing. Um, I wanted to just go back to the march for the, the last couple. Yeah. Alistair Heath. Alistair Heath. Uh, Alistair Heath. Yeah. Nearly was the Brexiteer of the week. Right. He is the editor of the very Brexity Sunday Telegraph. And they had 17 pages of news on Sunday in the Sunday Telegraph. It's not many. Uh, and it's not that many, is not it? game, But it's very big, you know, very big. Anyway, 17 pages of news. Bizarrely, no mention in those 17 pages of the People's March, which, as we said at the start... Would have been ideal for those big 100, broadsheet pages. 100,000 people, yeah. perhaps more. Yeah. In Daniel Hannan's column later on in the paper, there was a picture of Gina Miller okay. at the march. Yeah. But no other mention of it apart from, here's Gina Miller at a march yesterday. Right. These were some of the things that Alistair Heath thought well, it were must more have been important. Really newsy day. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because he had on page three, he had Len Goodman criticizing celebrities who don't pose for selfies with fans. Well, Len's got a point. Two hundred words and a photo. Right. Then British women tennis players have made a breakthrough. They've got one more Wimbledon wild card than they had last year. Well, that is good news. Maybe maybe a nib. Maybe two hundred and fifty words oh. and a photo. A photo. A PR man has been photographed wearing the unused wedding suit of Thomas Markle. Two hundred words and a photo. Right. A Brit- British fashion designer has got a new collection. Four photos of that. Hundred words. Right. And my personal favourite, a kickboxing monkey, has met the Cambodian prime minister. Well, I would have splashed on forty that. words and a photo. Well, so all of that much more important than the People's March, according oh to Alistair Heath, the editor of the Sunday Telegraph. So who is the Brexiteer of the Week? Brexiteer of the Week's Lee VU. They've had a good week, oh. haven't they? Well, with Nigel and Banksy and Wigmore and Carol Cadwallader and all of that. Yeah. And I said, when we were talking about the march, I talked about this other march, didn't I? The pro-Brexit march. And there were a few hundred there, and I've seen video and images from it. Uh, probably less than a thousand. Anyway... The Leave EU, people were saying it wasn't very well attended this March, and they, they said it was actually really well attended, and it's a scandal that it's not been mentioned on the MSM, the mainstream media. <laughs> and they tweeted a photo of the day, and it was showing quite a large yeah, crowd. And I was I'm looking at the photo. How did you miss all these folks? And I thought, hang on a minute, it was 23 degrees while yeah. I was marching yeah. in central London. It was yeah. bright, sunny, not a cloud in the sky. The people in that photo that they tweeted out of this massive pro-Brexit march oh. are wearing hats and coats. One's got his hood up. One's bloke's got his hood <laughs> up, and there are no leaves on the trees. Well, they must have been. Well, it, well it, uh, right. So obviously it'd been windy. Leaves gone. Yeah. And maybe they were in the shade. I don't know. It's, no. Maybe not. No. 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 Probably not. So I, I can't believe that I'm accusing Leave.eu of, of propagating fake news, but they are the Brexiteers of the week. Are you sure that's not Donald Trump's inauguration there? <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Leave.eu. What should the listener do 
right this second. If you've not signed the People's Vote petition, go to the People's Vote website and sign it, please. Look out for look out for us on Steady, which is a new uh, crowdfunding platform. Uh, you can uh, support the New Europeans' journalism there on Steady. Uh, you can follow the New European on Twitter at the New European. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. You can join our Facebook readers group. You can even follow me on Twitter if you like at Sanglesey. S A N G L E S E Y. Or you can follow me at Porritt. P O R R I T. Brexiteer of the week. That was the New European podcast. Thank you very much for listening. It really does mean the world to us. If you haven't already, go and buy the paper. We've talked about it a lot in the pod. Um, I'm sure we have whet your appetite, so go and get it. There's some extraordinary stuff in there. Not just politics and Brexit, though. As I say every week, there is lots and lots of great culture as well. We'll be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes.